Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today as we review the sermon from this past week. We try to do that each and every week. I don't know if it was done last week. I didn't get to look at the podcast, but I was gone. No, me and Scott were gone for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. So you guys didn't end up doing one? No. Um, yeah, I asked Spencer. He's like, he, he said he had a lot going on Monday. So he's yeah. like, yeah, we're not going to do one. His sermon probably wasn't worth reviewing. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> it is really hard to have just a conversation with the person who preached it and, and one, one other, other person. <laughs> yeah, sure. It, it is, is challenging. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Um, but well, we want to do this uh, today. Uh, the best that we can. And so we'll do that this week. We we didn't wrap up our sermon series on worship because there will be a couple messages in January uh, focusing still on on worship, uh, especially in light of, of missions. And so I know Pastor Dave's going to preach one and Pastor Scott's going to preach one as well in January. So we're looking forward to that. But uh, we did kind of wrap up like the uh, public gathering aspect and elements within worship as we looked at how God would speak to us in worship and then how we respond to God. And this week was our, our last one on our response to God, which is through through giving. Giving can be a difficult topic for a lot of people. Um, for some reason, I, I'm not sure fully what the reason is, but finances seem to be such a touchy topic in general. I remember as a kid, noticing that with adults, it was very secretive of how much money they made. And no adults would ever share with each other how much money they made. And it was like this big, you just, you just don't do that. And I never understood why, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just points to the touchiness of, of, the, of the subject. And, and so we get a little squirmy. I think sometimes maybe we're embarrassed about how much money we make or have. Some might be embarrassed because they feel they make more than others and that embarrasses them. Some think, I don't want people to know that I'm broke. I don't have a lot of money, right? And so they, they try to hide that. Um, but sometimes we're just embarrassed because we know we don't handle our money how we should. Mm. And so then we're embarrassed in that way. But the Bible does speak of money. It talks about giving. It doesn't shy away from that. It's understood that that's, that that's needed in the world. Even you go to the question that Jesus was asked about uh, paying taxes, you know, uh, and, and looking, at the, looking at the money and seeing Caesar's face on it. And he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God. Um, and, and, and in saying that, it wasn't him saying you shouldn't pay taxes or money is evil or anything like that. Um, and so we, we just see this general idea that money is necessary. Money is part of this world. And again, the Bible is very clear that we need to handle it well. We need to be, we need to be smart uh, with our money personally. We need to be smart in our giving as well to, the, to church, how God calls us to do that. And then churches need to be wise in how they handle and how they handle their money and, and use the money and be good stewards of that which God uh, has given them. And so our for, our focus of the sermon was in Second Corinthians chapter eight and nine, and kind of did a, a overview of those two those two chapters together of when Paul is talking to a church about a gift that they had desired to give a while back, but they fell into kind of a an argument or dislike of Paul for a while, so the gift ended up not happening. And you can read about that in First Corinthians sixteen of when the gift was first talked about being given. Uh, because the Jerusalem church was hurting, was in need, and the churches in Macedonia in that area were starting to take a collection for that church to help them out uh, and to meet that need. We already know within the local church, giving was already happening. 
And I didn't even mention this on Sunday, but in Acts, we see that people said they had all things in common and they were caring for one another within the local congregations. And so this giving was already happening and taking place. It probably looked different than what our giving looks like now, but it was also a different time, right? We can't, we, we couldn't replicate that today of what they were, were doing. It just wouldn't be feasible. It wouldn't happen. Um, and so we try to use best practices and how we take up an offering, use the money, having budgets, all that different kind of kind of stuff and being wise in that. Maybe we can dive into some of that uh, if we if we need to. But one of the things I wanted to set straight at the very beginning was was three things. Uh, the first was in Psalm 50 and I, I we can you can go back and read that. I trust you would do that, but there it it points to the fact that God does not need our money. There's a statement in Psalm 50 that says if I were hungry, do you think I'd come to you? Right. Um, just saying, I own the cattle on thousand hills. I have everything is God's. And so for us to even begin to think that he he needs our resources is hilarious because they're not our resources. They're all his resources. Uh, right. Um, it kind of makes me think uh, Adam last night preached on Psalm two and how the nations rage. Right. They rage towards God. And what does God do? He kind of sits back and laugh like, what are you going to do to yeah, me? Yeah. You know, type of thing. Um, and so I wanted that in our mind first. God doesn't need our money, uh, but do, but yet in the scripture we see God calls us to give. And there's an act of faith, there's an act of generosity, there's an act of love uh, towards other people that God encourages us all throughout scripture uh, to be a part of and do. And then we do see the importance of the church to handle the money well, and that's in 2 Corinthians 8, uh, verse 20 through 21, which is in the chapters that we that we focused on. Uh, in the morning. So I found it interesting. I, I, I know you guys didn't study this passage, but in second Corinthians uh, chapter eight, and maybe it would help if I, if I read a little bit of it. Um, but he says, we want you to know brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia for in severe tests of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. There's this connection with grace and giving that I guess I hadn't really noticed before in studying this. And that's why I really wanted to look at these two chapters because it said, it says there in verse one about the grace of God that has been given among the churches. And what it's referencing there then is this gift and it's, it's comparing the grace and the gift. And so then the question that comes up is like, what is Paul talking about? How is he connecting grace and this giving of an offering to another church. How is this connected? Because when we think of grace, we think of right this this unearned gift that God has given us through his son Christ. But it's being used different here that the church is pouring out grace on another church. But again, it's because of what Christ has done for them. Um, so I don't know. Have you guys ever seen that before as you were studying? Um, do you have any thoughts on that quickly as we move through this? Anything? No, I mean, I, I, I haven't, I didn't make that connection either. And I thought that was really well said when you, when you kind of laid that out, but I do think it's interesting because, um, you know, that the idea of, of it's, it is God's, it is grace. And so the idea of grace, I think is giving, you know, where God gives us his grace. It's unmerited, as you mentioned, and we're not worthy of that. And so, I think it's it's interesting how Paul uses that word and says that it's about the grace of God that has been given. So as we're giving, as the churches are giving this tangible 
you know, donation or, or this uh, offering, it is really kind of a symbolic of grace because it's something that's you don't deserve. Mm-hmm. It's not like you are have been like, hey, you no, know, please do this for us, you know, and you know, we'll, we'll we owe you. You know, it's like this is something that we're going to give to you as God has given us the grace and the means. We're going to give back. So I thought that was really uh, um, kind of neat how that was placed together as you as you yeah. shared. So well, if you if you go down to verse six of chapter eight. Uh, it points it even more pointed about the the gift being grace because he says, accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. And what Paul's getting at is uh, referencing the fact that they had talked about doing this gift. They had started doing this gift, but then they had a fallout with Paul. And so it had stopped. And he's saying, Titus is there to help you complete this act of grace towards this, towards this church. And, And so the connection with grace and giving, I think, brings it uh, more pointedly in the importance of our giving because it's it's a tangible way for us to act out the grace that God has given to us, right? And we get to do that, you know, by, by worshiping him and honoring him, but we also get to do that in helping each other. And so what a, what a blessing that that is that God has given us to be able to use the money that he's given us, allowed us to have, to be able to give back in order to help other people. Now, I didn't talk about this too much yesterday, but because I, I didn't want to get into statistics, and I've heard those messages, I've heard those sermons, and as I was talking about, we we need to be cheerful, generous givers, not givers who are compelled out of guilt. And I'm afraid that when we start using statistics, we're just driving guilt, right? I heard a presentation years ago in this church um, by someone who he was on our stewardship team and we were doing a budget meeting and it was astonishing. He, he took like the median income of people in Monroe and then talked about like, if you were, if, if we have this many people in our church and it's this many families, and if these families gave 2% of the median income, our church would have this much money, right? 3%, 10%. He went through it all. And it was astonishing to see the amount of money. You know, it was like, wow, mm-hmm. obviously we're not getting that in the offering. Um, And so statistics can work and it's pretty eye opening. But again, I don't want it to be that you are compelled to give out of, out of guilt or out of worry even, because here we see, and we haven't got to those verses yet, but that God loves a, a cheerful giver, right? And as Christians, we should be generous. And I say that because in verses one, uh, verse two, he, he says about these churches, he says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So Paul's not saying necessarily they gave a ton of money, but he's pointing to this church in Corinth saying, this church you know is broke. They have extreme poverty, but yet because of what Christ had done in their life, they want to give and they have shown to be very generous in their gift for this church. You do likewise is kind of what he's pointing out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's important for us to hear because I can definitely get to the point to where I feel like I don't have money to give or any, or even to spend, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, but I make good money and my wife works, you know, and you think of this and it's like, I know I have more money than most people in this world could ever dream of having. But yet still there's this thought in my mind of like, just struggling here, 
And, and I think we could use that as an excuse to say, you know, it's just not a good time for me to be giving or for me to be helping out. Uh, and I have to be careful with that because I think that's a, that's a lie. Um, and I have to make sure I'm using my money that God has given me and my family well. And in doing that, of planning accordingly to be able to give when needs arise. Yeah. Right. And to plan for that. And I think those verses help with that because this church was hurting, but yet they still were giving. Yeah. Right. For sure. And I'm, that principle doesn't just apply to money. I right. mean, I've, there's even people in our church that I've talked to that have offered their possessions or uh, tools, things that they have. And, you know, when I say thanks for let me use it, they, they make clear these aren't theirs. They belong to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so there's the there's the concept of God hasn't even given you this money. You're stewarding it for him. You're taking care of it temporarily in a sense. Because uh, like you said at the beginning, it's all his anyways. Uh, so so being careful with that. But I had a, I had a question, just something maybe we could clarify or just kind of dive into a little deeper <clears throat> is we want our giving to be out of the generosity of our hearts and in response to what God has given us. But I mean, I could imagine that there would be some people yesterday that might be convicted by your message because they don't give or they know they could give more, but they haven't been. So what should their response be? Like if they're feeling that conviction from your sermon, would that be if they, like I could see how they could be struggling to, well, if I start giving now, that means I'm giving out of guilt, right? So how how would, what should that person do? I mean, I think they should give because that's what God calls us to do. You know, I, I mean, like we said, God loves a cheerful giver. And I even said, if, you, if you're not giving cheerfully, I think scripturally you could stand on the fact that then you shouldn't give. Right. Um, but I think it's also connected to like, I shouldn't come to worship on Sunday unless I'm there to worship. But there's many of Sundays when I come out of duty, yeah. if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God still will use that in my life to help me see that, Tim, that was sinful today. Mm-hmm. You know, and you need to change your heart. Your heart needs to be changed in this matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there is some duty in being a Christian. And I think giving can be the same way, but I think God can even work in that, that this kind of towards the end of the message of how God uses that in your own life, giving. He starts to show you his kindness to you when you get to give, right, to people and you see what it, how it really helped them. And it, or it even causes you to want to give more mm-hmm. and you grow in that giving. Uh, and so all of us have areas in our life that we need to grow in, in our relationship with the Lord, reading of his word, right? And so we'd say, don't approach God's word begrudgingly. Be happy that you get to read it. And so if, it, if it's going to kill you to read a whole chapter, we would encourage people and say, read, read a few verses today. But we would also say, but grow in this, right? Grow in it. Keep reading a little more and try to read a little more. And I'd say giving would be the same way. Um, <clears throat> again, that's silly. I would say that. And I get it because I, th- I think this way too sometimes. It's like, um, I don't want to start giving now because it's just out of guilt because I heard the message. Well, no, that's that's foolish. Maybe maybe you never really knew you were supposed to give. Yeah. And so you came and you were at this sermon and you were like, wow, okay. And now you learned. That's a good thing. God God's word has shown you some truth. Yeah. Or maybe you've been struggling with it. And you kind of knew you should be giving, but you hadn't. Mm-hmm. And now you heard this, and you're like, oh, I, I should be giving. Again, that's that's God working in your life 
And you don't want to push back from that and push away from that. Yeah. You know, or same if it's the amount that you've been giving or, or whatever it is. Um, God uses his word to encourage us and to equip us. One of the beautiful things here at this church, I, I meant to mention that, as pastors, we have no idea what people give. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want to know. I love being able to go to the hospital or go to someone's home and minister to someone the exact same way as if they've never gave or if they're our biggest tither or yeah. giver. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only person for, that I know that sees that is Randy and maybe Rhonda when she helps them mm-hmm. uh, up there some. So I get to just minister kind of freely Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if it's like, well, I'm going to be embarrassed because Pastor Tim's going to see that I started giving in December. <laughs> nope, don't be because I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have no clue. Yeah. Right. Uh, we don't we don't see that. And that's a good blessing, yeah. actually, for us. I think one thing that was very, very helpful, you know, my wife and I were talking about your, your message and stuff. And, you know, most of the churches that, you know, we've been a part of and, you know, even that I've been on staff have this almost like the tithe, the 10%, like, you know, you've got to give 10%, you know, you've got to give 10%. If you can give more, if you can give more above 10%, but you got to give 10%. And I think, you know, as I've, as I've studied and and wrestled with that, you know, understanding the whole counsel of God, we see that go away in the new Testament. And that's what you mentioned as far as like the, the fixed amount of the tithe, because the tithe was used in the Old Testament for the Levitical priests, you know, for their offerings to help them with the food and for the poor. And, and yet we've, we've, you know, we've, I think people have been kind of um, bombarded with this idea. You've got to give 10%. And if you don't give 10%, then you're doing something wrong. You're not being faithful. And I thought you did a really, a really good job of kind of understanding the, you know, what a stewardship principle, biblical giving, it's not about a, you know, a percentage, you give what you can, you give cheerfully. And I know you'll mention that you'll give as a means of responding back. And I think that is freeing for people because I think that's why some people don't give like, well, I can't, I really, I don't know if I can give 10% and they probably can. It's not even about that, but it's just like this idea that people have of you have to do this, you know, and there is a course there's pushback. So I thought that was really well said because I think theologically people need to understand what God's word is means when it talks about giving what does that look like and the tithe principle has been used to Mm -hmm. i think you know persuade people to make them feel guilty and all that so i thought that was a really good job Mm. yeah i mean you what were you gonna say nothing i was just gonna say that's not true i was gonna (laughs) say scott you got something to say uh yeah that was that was very helpful because people do try to put a number on it Mm -hmm. but like you, like what you were doing in your sermon, Tim, bringing out the principles mm-hmm. of you of giving and what that is. That you see, God wants you to be a cheerful giver, uh, and but you also see He wants you to be a generous giver. We see that here. He wants you to be generous. I think the other principle that you see in that passage, though, is He wants you to be a sacrificial giver. They were giving out of their poverty. Right. And so I I would even challenge the idea that somebody has of like, well, I don't know how if I can give that much. Mm-hmm. Real. I mean, really? Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to drive people to guilt, but like they gave out of poverty, you know? Yeah. And one of the things that should be mentioned in this is this was a this was a special gift offering that was happening here. We can't we can't say that this was a weekly offering like we do, mm-hmm. like your regular giving 
to the church. Mm -hmm. This definitely was a special one. And there are going to be times, I think, where special offerings need to be took and where sacrifice might need to be made on Mm -hmm. people's behalf. I don't know if it would be the regular occurrence of sacrificial giving each week in the offering plate, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, The whole 10% thing, you know, a lot of people still talk about it, and it's still a good guide, I would say. I mean, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It's just not a law or a a command Mm -hmm. that you have to do that. Um, because what happens is you have some people who could give way more than 10%, but mm-hmm. they're like, here's my 10%. It's what I'm called to do. And that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And they're robbing the church of what they should be giving. Yeah. And then there's others. They, they simply are there at a point in time. They can't give 10%. Yeah. It's just not doable. Yeah. You know, they, they live check to check to get food in their mouth or in their kids' mm-hmm. mouths. And, and so they try to give, you know, and, and sometimes those people will give more of their time than other people because they're like that's what i've got mm-hmm. right i don't have funds right now but i have time and right. i'm going to be here and do this and that or whatever um and that's and that's great uh and yeah so I, hopefully that takes some burden mm-hmm. off of people but i hope for some others it uh creates some <laughs> uh some thought in their mind to say man i've been giving 10 percent for 30 years i don't even notice it mm-hmm. it's like well maybe you should be giving more mm-hmm. you know at this at this time yeah uh because because you can and because you should want to. You see, the, what what Paul ends up pointing the people to, Scott, you mentioned that we should be genuine in our giving and generous, is he points them to Christ. Right? He says, what did, what did Christ give up to come here? Yeah. Everything for you. And he laid down his life. Why? So that in his poverty, you then could become rich. Mm-hmm. This is our example. Hebrews does the same thing in Hebrews chapter 12 when it encourages us to run the race. And he's talking to a church that's starting to whine about persecution and whatever. And the writer of Hebrews says, you haven't even went to bloodshed yet. And you're already wanting to turn around and quit. And what does he point him to? Remember Christ, mm-hmm. right? The one, Remember what he did. That is who you are following. And so expect these things. Keep running the race, even though you're being persecuted. Mm-hmm. And Paul does the same thing here with us with giving. So remember what Christ gave? You can't outgive that, right? But then he goes on to give us some promises, though, in our generosity of talking about, this is a, a little later in, in 9, but basically saying, as you, as you give, know that God is going to supply your needs for your giving. Because he says in chapter 9, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, it says, as it is written, he's distributed freely, he's given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Um, talks about, uh, let me see, verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And so he's giving us this thing to be generous, to be able to be generous. It's not it's not enabled to be rich. It's not necessarily talking about us to be able to have more money to hoard or to be able to go on vacation or thing. It's saying, if you're a generous, cheerful giver, God is going to make sure that you're able to continue to do that, to be able to to be able to give and and do it generously, um, and so this this is a section as we get towards the end of chapter eight and nine that a lot of American churches have started to twist and they've they've taken it and run with it out of context about uh, sowing a lot of seed so that you can reap mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, you will hear that very often on TV or some different type of preaching. The prosperity gospel takes this and uh, runs with it. Mm-hmm. Christian books you find at Walmart. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. 
I haven't looked at books at Walmart in a long time, but at one point, yeah, it was pretty much any one of them yeah. that you grabbed mm-hmm. uh, would do that. Um, yeah, would, would talk about this idea of you have to plant the seed in order to reap a produce. And so you need to give your $10, but don't worry, God will multiply it so that you will eventually down the road get $100. Mm-hmm. And don't worry, you know, it'll be all good. That's not what this is teaching. Mm-hmm. That's just not there. Imagine if that's what Paul was teaching to these Macedonian churches who are just poor as can be. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, they didn't see that. That did not happen to them. Mm-hmm. They didn't become rich. They continued to get persecuted for hundreds of years, right? And just crushed yeah. and destroyed. That's not what Paul's talking about here. But he's saying as Christians, we are to be people who are to be generous to each other, to take care of each other, to love each other. The best we can. But then Paul also says, you need to be okay in whatever situation you're in, whether you're rich or poor, hungry or full, mm-hmm. all these things, right? You need to be okay in this. Yeah, it's it's the opposite principle. It's not the principle of give so that God will provide you with more. It's give out of your poverty, trusting that God will take care of you mm-hmm. and, and take care of your daily needs that you have. You know, uh, the way Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And Scripture warns about building up barns, tearing them down just to build bigger ones, yeah. you know, and things like that. I mean, there's, like we said at the beginning, there's teachings about the way you handle money all throughout the Bible mm-hmm. because it reveals so much about your heart. Um, and but, I know how it is. I, I, I guess I could speak personally to some things to maybe help some people. When I was younger, I found it very easy to be generous in giving. Mm. I didn't have money. You know, I, I mowed lawns and did some little jobs or whatever. But I found it very easy to to give to people. And I loved it. I loved buying gifts. You know, I didn't mind helping people with gas. Whatever it might be, I was quick to do that. And same when Amanda and I uh, first got married. We made no money. I, You know, we took turns going to school and working. And so if she was at school, I would be working. When she got done and graduated from college, then I started going to school and not getting to not getting to work as much. It was very rare for us to be working at the same time. My first job as a pastor, I think I made $29,000, my full-time job. It's like, wow, just raking it in, right? <laughs> but during some of those times, I didn't have a ton of responsibilities either. And what I've noticed, this is just in my heart, is all of a sudden all these responsibilities have come on me more and more. Now we have a house that we've always wanted. Now we have cars. Now we have kids. For some reason, these kids have to eat. <laughs> a they, lot. Yeah, yeah. Right. They have to be entertained. And so they, they do their sports. They do their different things. And they keep growing. And they keep needing new clothes. Right. All these different things. And it's like all of a sudden you have all these responsibilities to where, and I understand this, you start to think, I can't give as much. Because I have so many needs. Now, some of that, if we're fair, is just because of the lifestyle that we've chosen. Right? And I think we have to be careful with that. Uh, especially for, like, college-age people. I think I think they should really think through this stuff. It's like preparing ahead of time of what standard of living are you going to live. And that way, if God continues to increase you in your business and give you great success— but you're used to living off of $40,000 a year and you're fine with that and you're happy with that. But all of a sudden God's blessing you and you're making a hundred thousand, 150, 200,000, but you're still living off of 40,000. You have tons to give, right? You have, you can be so generous 
And I think we just need to think through that and be careful. But if you find yourself today, you know, where you're like, I'm just at this stage of life where, yeah, my kids are at home. Things are expensive. You know, we have this house and you don't feel like you're being flamboyant with it or anything. You, I think for, for those in that situation, which I would say is where I feel like I am, you have to be more pointed in your generosity and make sure that you're keeping with it. Right. And so giving to the church is, is part of that. And I, for me and Amanda, as I said in our, in the message, that's the main part of that for us. But there are things that come up and I don't want, I have to tell myself, don't hesitate to be generous. And so just even in little things like uh, our friend is sick. Yeah. Go to the store. Let's buy them some food. You know, <laughs> let's do it. Don't think about it. Just go do it because it's the right thing to do. You know, um, and, and that can play itself out in all, in all kinds of ways, but you do have to be more, I don't want to say strategic, but thoughtful, like, no, I, I need to do this. I'm called to do this. And I want to be faithful in this. And Scott, as you said, and I want to trust that, you know, God's going to continue to, to provide, you know, I, I'm not worried about my meals. I'm not worried about that kind of stuff. And so I need to make sure that I'm, I'm being a genuine, cheerful, generous giver as this passage is pointing me to. I think there's there's even precedence from this passage. I mean, this is talking about, like you said, a one-time offering that Paul is taking up. He, But he encouraged them, take it up ahead of time, not even all at once, but each week as you come. Like, bring some. Set it aside. Make a plan. And so I don't, I don't think it's even out of the question for Christians to plan to be generous, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you know how much you make, a month or how much your family generally will bring in or whatever, make a plan to set some aside that is free for you to be generous with. Make the decision ahead of time to be generous. Mm-hmm. That way, when it comes time and you hear about the family that needs the meal or the friend that needs the encouragement or something like mm-hmm. that, it's not even a question. Yeah, You've yeah. already decided to be generous. Mm-hmm. You've yeah. already decided to care for each other. It's so kinda, just go ahead and do it. It's kind of yeah. how we do our budget here, right? I mean, at church, we have a budget. And so it's like, we know what our uh, bills are going to be. We know the lights, you know, we know gas costs. We pretty much every year, you kind of know what that's going to be. And so you can budget for that. But there are things that we don't know. But, and we have budget lines, some like benevolence that we put money aside. So we say, we know people are going to be in need and we want to meet the need. We missions, we have a missions line. Those aren't bills coming in, but it's, we know we're going to have opportunities to do missions and we want to be able to do that. So let's have a budget line item that says that. You can do the same way in your own family. You know, you know your bills. And so you can say, all right, this is the budget for the bills. All right. I, we know we want to go on vacation. All right. Let's have a budget line for vacation. It's going to need this much money. You can just as easily have a budget line for giving. Here's my budget line for giving. I want to make sure that I'm giving this much to the church, but I'm, I also want to make sure I have money for, like we said, when other needs arise of people that we love and care for, when we can meet that need, right? And it's feasible. It's a lot of, it, it, it's extra work, sure. But it doesn't have to be something where you're just like, oh, here comes the offering plate. What, I got my wallet. And you're just trying to scrape something up and, and throw something in. Yeah, you need to be prepared. And like you said, Scott, it says that in here because the little section in chapter eight that we didn't read, Paul is saying, I'm sending men to you. And he's very strategic in who it is. Because remember, not everyone at the church is still loving Paul. But he's saying, you guys know Titus, and you guys all have approved of him. He's going to be one of them. And then he doesn't name the other two. But the one is, you chose the other guy. 
you love him, and I, I like him too. And then the third guy, again, is, has been approved by, the, by you. They're going to get the money. They're going to take it, right? Preparation, planning, good use of the money. And like you said, Scott, plan, he's saying plan ahead. Bring it the first day of the week. So when they come, you will have it, and it'll be ready to go. Um, and so, again, just being wise, good stewards of the money that we do have and the money to be given. You know, I mean, it is what it is. In the life of ministry, it costs money. And I, I talked about that briefly uh, in the message and in some different areas. Uh, we have a church building, and this church building needs a ton of money synced into it. That's all there is to it. It's 20-some years old. And so when you have a building this size, nothing is cheap. When you have to change the carpet, that's a big deal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, do something with the roof, big deal. Parking lot, ridiculously expensive. And every time any little thing goes wrong here at the church, in our minds, it's always like, okay, is this going to be $300,000 or can we fix it for thirty today? It's like, I don't know. Let's find out, right? <laughs> I don't like either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but recently we had that, like with our sewer. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden we noticed, man, something's going wrong here. And it's like, oh, maybe the pump is out. No, we're finding out the pipes are messed up. Oh, gosh. Are we going to have to rip up some of our parking lot? You know, because yeah. this runs all the way to there. <laughs> is that, you know, all these things are starting to add up. And it's like, this is going to cost us a fortune and be a ton of work. Mm-hmm. It ended up being something a little smaller uh, and that we're getting fixed. But you got to know that that happens and it takes money mm-hmm. to then fix that stuff, right? And to, and to do that. We have a staff. Our church has, has voted on staff and said, these are the staff we think that we need in order to do the ministry here. Well, that costs money to have to have staff. It can go on and on and on. I know people know that things cost money. But then we have to be faithful as church members to give to that, mm-hmm. to give to the church so that the church then can function how it's been planned out by the church to do. Um and being an autonomous church, as we believe, you know, as, as Baptists, you know, we don't have people running in here to help with the building. We don't have a diocese to come and, and help us out. We don't, no, it's, we've decided to plant here by God's grace, you know, and we trust that we've been doing God's will all along the building. We, we, we trust that that was God's will and God's plan. We try to do all that stuff prayerfully, but it takes money then on behalf of our membership to, to give weekly to be able to meet those to meet those needs. And, you know, I find it interesting sometimes when people will say, you know, they just keep asking for money. And at least in my experience here, and again, in Baptist Church, we're a democratic church. We do the things that the church members want to do. And so it's like, well, that's on you that we need money mm-hmm. because you can't, yeah. we want to keep doing this stuff. Right. You know, you want to take up this mission partner? Well, we need to support them. Mm-hmm. So then we, you guys have to give in order to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to pay to have the lawn mowed? You got to give. You want a parking lot? Okay, then pay mm-hmm. to get, you know, give for that. Um, and so it's not a begging for money. That, <clears throat> I was really thankful uh, in my time with, with uh, Roy, pastor here before me. You know, he was big on that. It was like, we never did fundraisers. We, we, it was like, we have a church budget. The church votes on this budget. They know the plan, and they need to give, and we need to work within what the church is giving, uh, and trust that you know God will be faithful. And if something can't be met, then we we can't meet it. That's okay. We we want to be faithful to use the regular gifts that are given. Now we did we would do uh, 
um, not fundraisers, but uh, special offerings. You know, so like I remember uh, we were getting close to paying this building off. I think it was like around $400,000 or something. And we did this big push like this year. Let's get it paid off by the end of the year. Let's do a special push, you know, give sacrificially, pray about it, blah, blah, blah. And we did that. And as a church met that need, still met budget needs and all that. It's like, wow, awesome, great. Mm -hmm. And so our church has been, and I'm thankful for this, very faithful in that area Mm -hmm. uh, to give and to meet needs. And so often when needs come up in the church, people are willing to step up and help. Uh, And I, I pray and hope that that will continue, that the people of North Missionary Baptist Church will continue to be generous in their giving and in their time and in their care and compassion. Yeah. And we uh, still take this. up a special offering every year. On the first Sunday of the year, we, we mm-hmm. have Mission Sunday. Yeah. And that's where, well, I mean, Dave, you'll can explain this more, but that's where we, the all the money that's given that Sunday is considered a special offering that goes to uh, the Southern Baptist entities that we're part of. It goes mm-hmm. to the, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, all those other offerings that happen normally throughout the year. Mm-hmm. We just put it all on that one Sunday, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we do a budget of fifty-one weeks instead of fifty-two now because we factor in that Sunday mm-hmm. to where anything given on that Sunday or anything marked special in the weeks after, which happens some, would go towards missions. And so then the mission team, and the stewardship team, decide when that's all given. Let's give this much to Annie Armstrong, Lottie Moon. Our Southeastern Association has uh, an offering. Our state has something called the Francis Brown offering. And so we try to then de- deviate it and give it to those in, mm-hmm. in different orders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we could talk lastly about the benefits of giving that are there towards the end. There are some personal benefits. We already talked about a little bit how God gives so you can abound in every good work so that we can continue to be faithful to give. Um, again, not so that we can increase our wealth. You know, the two people to think about, I mentioned the one in scripture to compare when you think about a cheerful giver and what it means. You have Zacchaeus on the one hand that is saved by God's grace. And all of a sudden you see him, I'll give fourfold four times to anybody I've stolen. I want to do that because that's the right thing to do. But then you think of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus, what must I do? And he says all these things, and, and the rich young ruler says, I've done all those since birth. And he says, all right, then go sell what you have and give to the poor. And it says the guy turns around and walks away. Now, does he, does he, why does, why does he walk away? Is, is Christ requiring that he become poor in order to be saved? No. But, but Jesus, being Jesus, knowing all things, knew this guy's hang-up. It's like, you're actually not willing to follow me because you have all of your trust in your finances. And so we see a good comparison of Zacchaeus willing to go broke versus because of what he has gained in Christ versus this rich young ruler who is like, I'm not willing to give all that up for you. Sorry. Mm. And I think that's what most of us face in, in America. You know, it's what are you willing to give up for Christ? Because we're, we're supposed to be willing to give up everything for Christ. You're supposed to submit all to him. And for a lot of us, money is a big hang up with that. It's something we fear. I think there's many Christians, good Christians too, who are scared that God is going to prick their heart and say, I think you should give this mm-hmm. because they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about dying for Christ might be one thing like, okay, I'll do that. You want me to give all of this? You want me to sacrifice all this time? this that's a that becomes a struggle and 
that's where God starts to reveal our heart to ourself a little more and how much work we all have. Cause I mean, I'm in that boat too. I'm not trying to like push it aside and be like, Oh man, God asked me for all my money. Here it is. No, mm-hmm. no, not, not the case, right? That would be difficult and would be hard, but it is something we need to think about and be willing to uh, repent of sin in our life and, and ask that God would continue to work in our hearts uh, to get better at that. Uh, and especially in, in giving and, as we talked about earlier, as we give, that's how I think God will work in us. If you're sitting there waiting today saying, well, I'm going to wait for God to make me a cheerful giver and then I'll give, you're never going to give. <clears throat> it's just it's just not going to happen, right? That's not naturally in us no. to want to do that. It's something that, I mean, as we grow, as we're sanctified to become more like Christ, that that should happen. But like you said, oftentimes before it's a delight, it's a duty. Yeah. You know, you have to grow in mm-hmm. that. I think it's helpful for people to think too about not just in terms of money, but also you referenced earlier, Tim, about maintaining a certain standard of lifestyle or the possessions that you have or what you deem to be necessary for you and your family. If, um, if, or like if that would lead you to say, I have to work this amount and give all of my time there to neglect my family. Well, that, that might be, uh, that might actually go back to money. Or if, uh, if your joy and happiness is on having the new latest toy and maintaining that lifestyle, then that's, you know, those possessions is actually a connection to money. It's not just the money in the bank account. It's where it shows in every other part. Where that's where I think, uh, you know, the church in Acts, at the very beginning, the generosity they were showing to one another wasn't necessarily they emptied their bank accounts to give to one another. It was they sold their possessions. They got rid of their stuff in that sense as well. And so I just think for the purposes of what we were trying to talk about, it's it's helpful to not just think in terms of cash on hand. Mm -hmm. It's also the stuff in your life, the material possessions mm-hmm. uh, that you have, and just the kind of lifestyle that you're trying to live uh, says a lot. Yeah, and I can just say from you know personal, you know, experience of being on the on the receiving end when you know when we, you know, my wife and I raised support for for quite some time um, when we were doing church planting, and then we moved to Detroit, and we were working with uh, refugee ministry there, and uh, and. Just like you had said in your message, you know, yesterday, Pastor Tim, um, on Sunday, about how like our missionaries, like Pastor Peter, you know, I just got an email from him this morning, or sent yesterday, or Pastor Moses, like if 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 it wasn't for you guys, we would not be able to do this. And Angie and I have been in that time, in that in that in that uh, place many times where we were like, okay, Lord, we know you've called us to this, you know, um, we're not sure how we're going to pay this bill. You know, we're not sure how we're going to do this. I had to do some tent making, you know, kind of like Paul, you know, where I had to get some work on the side when we were in Chicago just to make ends meet. And God always provided. And it was through his people, you know, and that's what I, that's what I love about this. Paul is saying to you, you know, to these churches, like, listen, this is God's grace, like you said, tangibly expressed. And you can give because this is how the kingdom of God works. And when people give, catch the kingdom of God stewardship principle and rather than like, okay, I better just give, I better write, write my check or throw the cash in there. And they see it as a 
bigger means of like God's kingdom is advancing and we're supporting missionaries, we're supporting ministry locally, we're supporting, you know, um, people that are in poverty or whatever it may be. And it's exciting and it catches. And like, you know, for, for us, it was like seeing how God came through using this person. I remember when somebody contacted us and said, Hey, we know you're struggling with this. Well, can we put you, can we put you guys on our phone plan? We're like, uh, <laughs> we didn't know how we we're going to pay, pay our phone bill. Like, thank you, Lord. It was amazing. And so I've had those experiences, you know, doing mission work. And that's why I love being here on this end, you know, in the local church where I get to see, you know, people like Pastor Peter say, we don't know how we're going to, our, our people are basically living on one meal a day. You know, our nursing mothers are not sure how they're going to feed their babies. Let's help. You know, let's let's get our hands in this. So anyway, yeah, and that's where what I said towards the end. I, mean, I want to clarify, I guess, the best I can. Maybe get your guys' thoughts on this. But we're doing this today on Cyber Monday. We just come off of Black <laughs> Friday, right? Uh, now is the time when people are spending money on gifts, and I'm not going to even sit here and say that's a bad thing. I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, I think, is called Giving Tuesday now. And so uh, you will be bombarded with all kinds of places to give your money, right? And and I'm sure a lot of good a lot of good causes. One thing I do struggle with though is I struggle with when I hear people saying that they're giving their offerings to all these different charities. And again, I know there's there's good there's good charities out there, but I just think as Christians, again, this is this is Tim. I, I probably could find biblical precedents for this, but I think you need to give to your local church. I think that needs to be your main source of giving, right? Not, not the local shelter, which there's nothing wrong with the local shelter. Um, I even, I even struggle sometimes, Pastor. This is me personally. I struggle sometimes of people be like, well. We give this offering to church, but we also are helping support some missionaries ourselves. And they start talking about it, you know, and it's like, okay, yeah, I get that. I mean, I, I get that to an extent, but I would like to think that if you're going to a church that's faithful, that you love and that you are a part of, that that church will be doing that on your behalf as you give mm-hmm. and that you will be going straight ahead with that church. Like, yes, this is a good thing. You know, and I'm not saying every decision your local church makes, you're going to be like, oh, I just think that was an awesome way to use our money. I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. But overall, if you have the same vision that the church does, and that's part of the reason why you go to that church, then you need to be faithful to give there and then trust the leadership to be using the money wisely to support missionaries, Mm -hmm. you know, to help the local shelter when needed, right? to do these different things. I, I find it helpful and useful. I shouldn't say all the time, but most of the time people will come to me and say, Hey, did you know about this in the time in, in the community? Have you as the church ever thought about helping them? Sometimes it's like, never knew that existed. That is a good thing. We'd love to try to help. Let's, let's do it. You know, but other times I've had people come to me and I'd say, do you know this about that group? Cause I do. Yeah. And this is why we don't give to them right. yeah. and you shouldn't either. Yeah. But they don't know that, mm-hmm. you know, and that goes for a lot of things across the board. And a lot of these charities out here who come across this good, when you start looking into them, they're not. And there's not Christian principles there. There's not the love of Christ shared. And so for me as a believer, it's like, why would I give my money to that? Mm-hmm. Right? I hear a lot of Christians who are like, I'm not buying Oreos anymore. I'm like, why? Because they they promote this. And it's like, oh, okay. But those same people will go and give to all these charities. And it's like, do you know where that's going? Yeah. Is that a Christian cause? 
you know, why are you wasting your money towards that? It's like, well, but they're doing some good things. I'm not saying they, they might be doing some good things, mm -hmm. but is it good towards Christ? Shouldn't that be where our main focus is? Again, that's, that's more of a personal rant. Uh, for yeah. me, and and I would say this too: if I if I can't give my money to my local church because I don't trust my leadership's going to use it well, my question is why am I going to this church? Yeah. <laughs> why am I a part of this local church then? Mm -hmm. You know, we here we try to be as transparent as possible with our budgets. We have things in place of money that we can't spend over certain amounts without getting church approval. We do business meetings every other month on a Sunday evening that everybody's encouraged to come to. Right. And they, we always have a time of open discussion. I'm always like, does anybody have any question about our finances, about what anybody and people ask questions and we do our best to answer those questions uh, and be open and transparent. And so again, if you're struggling with like, well, the leadership of my church, I'm just not sure. Again, the big question, why, why do you go there then? What's the reason uh, behind it? Um, there's so many churches that are good churches but they're hurting so bad financially and they might have to close the door just because people aren't being faithful uh, to give. And the Bible is very clear that we need to be generous, cheerful givers as Christians. And only you can judge. I can't sit here and judge your heart. I can't judge somebody else's heart in that. I, I don't know. Uh, but if you're not, if you're struggling with that, uh, you need to take some time to try to deal with that. Uh, with the Lord and to seek that. And we, we all, we all do that again. There's times in my life. It's very easy to give. There's other times where it's done begrudgingly. There's other times it's not done. So I'm like, Nope, not happening. And it's just a blatant sin, you know, for selfish reasons or whatever it might be. Um, and so again, I'm, I'm preaching to myself mm -hmm. as I, as I say these things, I'm sure we all have uh, work to do uh, when it comes, when it comes to giving. And so hopefully we'll be faithful uh, in that and in our giving. You guys got anything else? All right. Uh, I don't know where we're at in our podcast. I was gone last week. Uh, we're probably missing some, would be my guess. I wasn't here last week either. I know. <laughs> but do you remember? I remember we did two a while back. Uh, that would have been the week before. So. Yeah, so I think there might not be a podcast this week unless, well, we, me, unless me. we do it yeah. tomorrow or Wednesday. I don't remember. With Spencer. Anyways. It Spencer's might have just been here. me and Spencer that did one. I had to leave uh, early. So I was like in on it, and we, then it was you three doing yeah, it. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, we, me, you, and Spencer did one. Mm -hmm. They did a couple. Yeah. And then you had to leave, I think, and me and Spencer did one, but I don't know which one that was. Oh, yeah, that was It like, wasn't the gender one, was it? Mm -mm. That one's already posted. I don't know. Yeah. I Anyways. don't think there's going to be one this week. Yeah. Unless we do one. Unless we do one later. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll find out. We'll see what Spencer's mood is when he gets back. <laughs> That's what it'll depend on. <laughs> How happy he is. He should be happy. He's been he in Florida. Be. Yeah. Yes. Living it up with... Uh, What's that whale's name? Shamu. Shamu. Yeah. Shamu. He went to SeaWorld. This guy yeah. probably got a little bit of a tan, grew the beard out a little bit. Yeah, I saw a picture <laughs> Let's of his stays. Let's see if it stays. Yeah, if it stays. yeah, I did get on him, though. I saw a picture of him Sunday. He went to church with a tie on. I haven't seen him with a tie on here in a long time. Mm. I feel like I see him in a tie all the time. No, no, I've been watching, and really? he didn't, and I'm like, mm. okay, I don't. we're not as special as no. whatever the church is in I'm Florida sure it was you went to. I'm sure Baptist church he went to. I'm sure it was. <laughs> I'm sure we'll hear about it later at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh anyways all right well we thank you for listening we hope that this is helpful makes you think a little bit more be prayerful about your giving um this coming sunday we start our our advent we start our christmas season and so we'll be doing sermons this christmas in isaiah looking at isaiah and seeing some of the prophecies of christ's birth and so we're looking forward to the christmas season christmas is a good time to invite people to church 
People are more willing to come during the in the holidays. And so I would encourage you to do that. One of the big services that we see tons of guests at is Christmas Eve service. And some people might be asking, are you going to do that this year with Christmas being on a Sunday? Yes, we're still going to have a Christmas Eve service on Saturday at five o'clock. We're already planning that. And so hopefully you can invite family that might be in town or some friends or some of your friends who are lost, encourage them to be here because they will hear the gospel and will trust that God will work in their life and in their and in their hearts. And so uh, hopefully we get to see you this coming Sunday, uh, Lord, Lord willing. But until then, hope that you have a, a really great and blessed week. God bless.